Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at the trailer for Don't Stop Believing: Every Man's Journey. million. First year I was in the league. We paid the price for all the success. We decided to go separate ways. I looked and looked and looked. I was ready to give up. I just clicked on one last link and I pushed it. Arnold popped up with his band singing a manila. I go, this is too good to be true. His voice was huge. I said, but can he speak English? I got this message. Interested in singing with the real band Journey? This is impossible. I would sing just to survive. I was impressed. That is not the journey, but that's it. I'm short. I'm so Asian. What's he gonna look like on stage? He's never played big places. Oh my God, I'm big. A singer in a smoking room. He doesn't realize he's the lead singer in Journey. How do you take somebody from a third world country and throw them into this circus? The wear and tear is a mental, emotional thing. There are people who just want me to fail. I'm seeking to those people who believe in me. I don't think anybody thought that we would amount to the success that we're doing right now. Arnell, it's like David Roth and Bruce Lee put together just ah! I'm living a fairy tale. It's like a Cinderella story, right? Please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Case Wickman from MTVsNextMovie.com, and tonight's guests, Ramona Diaz, Joshua Green, and Capella Fahum. Hey, everyone. Thank Hi, everyone. you so much. So uh, thank you so much for coming out, all of you. And Our all pleasure. You. So you all saw the trailer. Um, so tell me a little bit, first of all, about how you found this story. Uh, how fun. Well, you know, there was this email circulating um, in the Filipino-American community, of which I am a part, um, uh, that was actually written by the immigration officer uh, at the American Embassy in the Philippines. And he gave uh, Arnell his visa. But he, in, the, uh, in the email, he talks about the process of giving Arnell this visa, because Arnell had to sing for his visa. Ar Arnell sang Wheel in the Sky, because this guy said, you know, I've been sitting in this chair, like people come to me all day with all sorts of excuses, because as you know, it's very difficult to get an American visa. So you try to make up excuses. And so the, the excuse of this of Arnell was to audition for the band Journey, and he happened to be a really big fan of Journey. So it was like, really? Okay, you gotta sing, you know? And I'm gonna let everyone here sing, uh, hear you sing the song. Anyway, so yeah, Arnell sings and gets a visa, goes to uh, San Francisco, and he gets a gig. And so we follow his first year with a gig. But th so that's how the story came to, into my radar and 
one thing led to another. And so you heard about it on this on this listserv, and and what convinced you? I mean, it sounds too strange to be true, right? What what convinced you that there was a movie in this? Arnell convinced me because when I finally met him, because um, you're right, it could have been a five minute story, right? A rock band finds singer on YouTube, and that would have been it, finished. It's like a feature in the Today Show, but. I think because of Arnell, he's so open, he's so accessible, he was very articulate about his inner life and what was happening to him, and the camera loves him. So I think he then convinced me, okay, there's a story to be told. So it was Arnell. And, and beyond being about, about a music group, what, what uh, drove the story for you two? I've always been a fan of Ramona's from one of her first films. And I always wanted to work with her. So when she came to me and she showed me uh, this clip that she shot with Arnell, I was same as everyone else. I was captivated and I knew we had to do it right away. And pretty much when I met Ramona and we saw that clip, we were on the road with them within a week. So, yeah, we started moving immediately. Yeah, it, it was the story. I mean, I, we all grew up, well, you were a big Journey fan. I was a Journey fan. Um, but seeing, uh, in Ramona and I had a mutual friend who's a, a Filipino gentleman in the film business, and he just randomly told me over lunch one day to check out the clips, and Journey had a new lead singer, and I just kind of looked at it, and it was this, like a kid in a candy store, this kid jumping around on stage, dancing, smiling, living out his dream, um, singing these big anthemic songs that I grew up with, and I was like, wow, there's something behind this, maybe. And, and that was before we even knew Arnell's real story and everything he kind of... Uh, you know, overcame, but it was just, it was the story, and I think that combined, his story is kind of embodied in the songs, which was kind of amazing, um, and I think that's what inspired all of us. And can you tell me a little bit about your first meeting with Arnell, and did you have to win him over at all? Um, did I, I, it didn't seem so. I first met him because, you know, the, um, when we finally decided, okay, we want to make this film, now how do we get permission to make this film? So uh, my manager spoke to their manager, so there was a lot of back and forth. And basically the band needed convincing that they had a story. They said, maybe not this year, next year. I said, well, next year you won't have a story. You will have a story, but it's not gonna be the same story. The story's this year. So they said, okay, why don't you come out and we'll, um, we'll give you one day with the band. You cut something and you convince us that we have a story. I said, sure, I'll do that. And that was the first time I met Arnell. And I also wanted to see for myself that if we did this, that he was on board. Because I didn't want to get in the way of his biggest gig. You know, if he wasn't completely on board, and you know, I, I don't think I would have done it. But um, yeah, I mean, when I met him and he was on board and he was so open and so likable, I'm like, okay, we got to do this. So I, I remember, me, it was a vineyard. We in, in, um, interviewed him uh, in this vineyard in Northern California. And if the sun was shining, it was just so, like, magical. And a lot of that footage, I mean, this is just such a, a tribute to Ramona as a filmmaker, that that one day she had with a very small crew, a lot of that footage made it into the film. I mean, that's, yeah. And to talk about the access, I mean, we got very lucky because when he first joined the band, um, he was traveling with no family, no entourage, no assistant. He was alone. Um, so the camera kind of became his conscience and you know, obviously being able to speak his native tongue with Ramona and Tagalog I think helped him and it was, uh, it was just the right time to capture what he was going through and kind of dealing with the pressures and, um, and kind of him realizing what was at stake. And so, yeah, you essentially had to, had to cut a trailer for the film before you could even start the film? Yes. 
that's that's well, normal, not, right? Of course, it's normal. All the time, all, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> right. But basically, I guess it's normal for documentary filmmakers. You always have to prove you have a story because you have no script, right? And it's all a matter of writing a treatment and hoping for the best. You're hoping that this story is going to turn out this way. But everyone knows anything can happen. So there's no script to base your anything on. So usually you, sh you have to shoot footage to show your funders th these are the possibilities. We were just talking about earlier how we stuck a card at the end of that trailer for the ending that we wanted to see. Um, and you know, I think it put the seed even into the band of what was possible and even Ar Arnell. And it, we won't say how the movie ends, but it, it was fortuitous. Did you get the ending that, that you did want to see? Yes, we did. And so you were talking a little bit about access. How long, how long were you on the road with the band and did that kind of access grow or how did you gain the trust of your subjects? That access grew pretty slowly. <laughs> um, it took a while, but we eventually got it. I mean, Ramona gained the trust of one person and then another person and then another person. We were told sort of midway into it that there was a circle of trust and this is the band and this is us and so um we slowly made our way inside the circle of trust yeah i guess it's you know when we um when we finally said that right we're going to come out we're going to film you and we're going to be there every day I, I think they said yes but they had no idea what they were signing on to because they were used to just um you know, features like uh, the big networks coming in for a day or two, filming them and then leaving. We were there every day. And so I, I, I think at some point they just, um, you know, they just sort of gave in to the process and gave us more and more access. And I think when they realized that we weren't going to try to catch them doing anything, you know, we, it wasn't a reality show. You know, it wasn't a gotcha moment. So uh, I think we gained our trust that way. Caught the rock band being a rock band. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so if, I mean, you started out having to, having to cut a trailer and really just convince them. And by the end, I mean, there's one part where the camera's in the room when he's laying in bed saying, oh, I, I think this might be just a lot of pressure. And so what was the thing that you learned that most surprised you? Or what was a moment that surprised you on this, on this journey? Journey. <laughs> Sorry. Um, For, what surprised me is how grueling tour is. I mean, you can't imagine, I mean, what these performers do night after night and still look good and still sound good is bananas because we were just behind scenes doing normal filmmaker stuff and our health was just deteriorating. <laughs> like, you don't eat good, you don't sleep good, you don't know what city you're in, you don't know what time it is. It's, it's real. I mean, it's a tremendous amount of work. I think what surprised me, too, was how unused they were to cameras. Uh, being a veteran uh, rock band, I thought they'd be very used to cameras. And, um, in, you know, backstage, on the tour buses, in the hotel rooms. But someone then has since explained to me that they came of age right at the cusp of MTV coming into, you know, uh, into what it is now. And it was really the advent of M MTV that made cameras backstage very ubiquitous. But before then, uh, you know, rock bands were not used to it. And so they were of that age. And then it made sense, of course, because it just surprised me. They were like, when the boom would come, they would be like staring at it. I'm like, why are you staring at the boom? Please talk to me. They'd be like, what is that? It's a boom. It's like, don't you know what? It is? So it's just surprising. 
yeah, I, I was surprised by these things. Um, and I guess just how much the the band embraced him, even from the beginning. I don't know. I think they just kind of, uh, you know, bought into the possibilities of it. And he certainly earned their trust and their respect over time, which you'll see in the movie, even though uh, he wasn't sure he was going to be able to do it. But uh, I was surprised how much they just kind of bought into it. And we, we keep calling the movie now a bromance because it, it literally kind of shows this brotherhood forming. And uh, But I, that surprised me because he was kind of stepping into these big shoes and into the unknown and uh, nobody was quite sure what was going to happen. There was a lot of pressure on him from the band's perspective, but they kind of just embraced it. Awesome. So everyone got a taste of the movie from the trailer, but I think we have a few clips here today if we want to run one of those. We needed a singer. We needed a singer badly. We had an album planned. Uh, we really weren't sure where we were going to go. I, you know, I think we all were stressing about it somewhat. Neil spent all of his waking time on the internet. I looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and looked. I was getting really burnt out. I wasn't finding anyone. I stumbled upon Arnell like in the 11th hour when I was ready to give up. I just clicked on a link, like I'll give it one last push, and I pushed it, and you know, Arnell popped up with his band singing in Manila. Highway ride into the midnight sun. Wheels go and I go, wow, he's got some serious pipes. And proceeded to watch all the other videos. Listen and listen and listen. Listen to him constantly fitting into the mold of whatever song that we're doing. It's my life. And I'm like, this is too good to be true. I go, it's unreal. I've never heard anybody that could do that with their voice. That's the guy, I said to myself. He's the guy. Not bad, huh? Who wouldn't want to make a movie on him, right? Yeah. So that's essentially the greatest Google black hole of all time, right? And so it, it really surprised me how much the internet played in this and that the inter internet can really change someone's life. And, you know, this is not just a story of a band and one band's, you know, span through time and changing members, but it's also a story of, you know, becoming an American or, and you know, how, how modern technology has changed things. How would you guys pitch this movie? You know, what do you, what would you say that this movie is about at its core? At its core, the bigger themes are, it's really um, a, a story where the, you know, where culture, race, globalization, and the internet intersect, really. So it's a very modern Cinderella story, because this could not have happened 10 to 15 years ago. Wouldn't have happened, there's no story. But because of YouTube, because of this, you know, the internet, all these guys, like on the, you know, um, it's possible. So that, 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 those are the bigger themes, I think, of the story. I wouldn't pitch it that way, but those are the bigger themes of the story. For me, it's don't stop believing. Yeah. I mean, Arnell, Noel, who put the clips up, and Neil on his band, and us on the movie, <laughs> like, like you just don't stop believing. Just keep putting one foot in front of another. 
same. It's that age-old, you know, fairy tale of somebody overcoming all their obstacles and continuing to dream and not give up and, and what's possible when you have that, uh, that belief and when people have that belief in you. And um, a little bit about the title. How did, you, how did you choose the title? Was that clear from the beginning? You know, it, it's been there from the very beginning. It was a, a working title, and then it became the, just a title because we stuck with it for so long. We knew we, need, we wanted Don't Stop Believing in the title. You know, we always knew that. But Every Man's Journey just... He's every man. He's every man, and it is journey. <laughs> so were you guys all, were you guys familiar with Journey? Were you big Journey fans before you came onto this project? Bella was a groupie. No, 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 no. I wasn't a groupie. I was a fan. Big fan. We're not hardcore fans. We've seen the hardcore fans. We're not hard. But I, I think I have a newfound respect for the band. Because they've been able to create this very timeless pieces of music. Not one, two, or three. Like an entire catalog of timeless pieces of music that are incredible and work every time. We saw, I mean, performance after performance, every time separate ways would come out. It's, it's like everyone gets so excited. It's like, like the first time they heard it, but you know it's not the first time. But the, the, the energy of freshness is there. It's pretty incredible. That's very difficult to do, you know. In 40 years. They've been around since 72 or 73. So, the, I mean, to be able to endure and to have the music endure that, you know, for decades and still have the impact that it had, you know, that the songs have and that so many of them have is pretty incredible. And it's, it's hard to think of anything else that, that has gone on for so many decades. And, you know, members have come and gone. They've even, you know, you would think that, that you wouldn't be able to replace such an iconic lead singer. And is there anything else other than, than music that can really go on like that that you can think of? Our film. Our film. Ah. Our film will for live on forever. But um, I don't know. Um, that's a good question. I, I get you. Well... Yeah, well, yeah, some films, right? Art forms, yeah. And so um, not all of your documentaries are music documentaries. This is, this is the... This is the truth, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, are there any specific challenges to making a film about a band, or does it have a built-in soundtrack, things like that? Uh, the challenge, especially for this one, is its journey, you know? It's one of the most um, really difficult and expensive catalog to clear. And even if the band agreed to make this film and agreed uh, to license the music for the movie, it was still very difficult to clear all the rights because really at the, the end of the day, the band doesn't control all the rights. There's still publishing rights, Sony's involved, Steve Perry's involved, lawyers, wives, ex-wives, children. I mean, so many people are involved with the clearing of music that it was a special challenge, especially for, for the Journey catalog. I mean, I think Don't Stop Believing is one of the hardest songs to clear, so. And is it really different shooting concert footage versus, versus the kind of up close and personal or talking heads? Yeah, we never, I never saw this as a concert film, so we never shot footage um, uh, like a concert doc would do it, except the last, uh, you know, if you see the film at the end. But otherwise, we were in the pit, and uh, my main interest was Arnell. So keeping tight on Arnell was really our guiding, the guiding principle throughout the production. And so one of the golden rules sort of of documentary filmmaking is, is that you don't intervene. Was there ever a time when you wanted to teach any of them something or step in? No. 
I never do that. You know, I, I, I'm an observer, and I think to have done that would have broken the fourth wall, you know, and you really try. I mean, like Capella said, we really earned our stripes. We really worked our way into the inner circle. And in order to do that, I think we needed to blend into the background, into the furniture. We needed to be flies on the walls. So I think if we stepped over that boundary, it, it would have called attention to ourselves, and that would have been not good. You don't want to tell the flies on a wall story? Oh. OK, so we were trying to sell. OK, there's a fly on the, we have a fly on the wall story. We, so, um, you know, like I said, it, it was such a surprise that this man was not used to cameras. And so we said, you know, we're going to be flies on the wall. We're, you, you're not going to notice us. Just go about your day. Don't do anything special for us. So we're shooting, shooting one day, two days, three days. And then after the third day, they're like, wait, cut. You know, you guys, you said you were going to be flies on the wall. And we're like, well, you know, that's a metaphor, right? You're going to still see us. But just don't mind us. Just don't mind us. You're still going to see us because we're like people. We're going to be in your space. But just try, we're not going to try to interfere with your everyday life. That's what we mean. They go, OK, OK, OK. But it's just funny. It's like, yeah, we're still here because we're not flies, really. Hidden cameras around the room. I know. They thought it was like lipstick cameras and tour <laughs> buses and stuff. We're like, no, we're going to be actually in, take up space in your space, but pretend we're not there. You will see us. <laughs> so what was it like traveling on, on like the tour buses and everything with them? Oh, girl, we didn't travel on tour buses. <laughs> no. No, we traveled. There was five of us in a minivan, two camera, one audio, Ramona and myself. And we were in a little minivan with all our luggage, all five of our luggage, three women, and uh, all our gear. And we just traveled the country like that behind these big tour buses. And the plan was always for me to sleep while they were working during the concert. Then I would be the driver. Because sometimes the drive might only be two hours, but sometimes it could be eight, eight hours, eight or nine hours between locations. And that never happened. And so th we would end up staying up. And the guy, they would take turns staying up, singing Journey with me and keeping me up. And Yeah, but we weren't in tour buses. <laughs> so is, is Journey your karaoke jam now? Do you have the catalog memorized? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Because, yeah, we literally, like, sang Journey all night to keep us awake to get to the next city, you know? I think they're forever itched in our brains. In a good way. Yes, in a good way. In a good And I think that we had another clip that you wanted to show. Uh, Peter? Peter's okay. Oh, you want to set it up? Oh, yeah, so people always ask us what was, you know, in, in documentary filmmaking, there's always surprises. So this was one of the, uh, you know, a really wonderful little golden moment with Arnell backstage right before he goes, um, uh, I, I guess we we're in Los Angeles. Greek. At the Greek. So this is it. I'm going to replace Peter Sakara in Chicago. I'm saying you? Jason Chef. Oh my God. I'm very proud of what you're doing, man. I understand. I've been with him 23 years. I'm the guy who replaced Peter when he left. So you're the one who sang, Will You Still Love yes, Me? Yes, he still loves my. me. Yeah, man. So. <laughs> you still love me for the rest of my life. Yeah, buddy. All right. You, man, I'll tell you. I'm very proud of you. Very proud of you. The singer of Chicago, yeah. All right, man. <laughs>
And there, there were so many other big stars, because it was Los Angeles, the Greek, you know. It was like Catherine Heigl and like yeah, all these very other, pretty. You know, like really big stars there. But Arnell got most excited when he met Jason, which is so really, it's very telling of Arnell. And it's like this little club they have of uh, <laughs> uh, lead singers. Um, I think that we're going to go to some audience questions. If Anyone who sees Arnell on concert, as I have, there are so, I, I went last year at Jones Beach, and a couple friends of mine went with me, and they said, yeah, he's Arnell, but he's not, so, you know, he's not Steve. When that first note comes out, to, uh, he, and he says, here we stand, from several ways, jaws drop because of how, how good he is. But to, to ask the question... Unfortunately, some fans will not accept Arnell because he's Filipino. Did you ever cover? Did you cover that in the film? Yes. So you got to watch the film in order to like. I, I won't give it all away, but yes, we did. You know. Um, but you know, like uh, the internet giveth and the internet taketh away, right? I mean, he got this gig through YouTube, but then the internet was also a conduit for all the vitriol. Because it's the internet, you know, because it's so many people out there. And I, I think um, the hardcore fans are the hardcore fans. They will never, you, you, you can't shake them. But on the other hand, there were some hardcore fans that really were, uh, that, that Arnell won over. And they were like, oh my goodness, because he just gives it a different energy. You know, he's not Steve. But he's not Steve because he, does, he, he jumps and he's all over the stage and he's full of energy. But he's got, he's got pipes. He's, he's got, got the pipes. pipes. Yeah. So you were at the 08 Jones no, Beach? No, no, 11, Gotcha, okay. Hello. Hi. I know you guys talked about, uh, you know, how you were traveling around with him and stuff. I mean, after you eventually made it, was it hard to, you know, to sell the document to get people to, like, actually, you know... We'll, we'll tell you after opening weekend. <laughs> well, I don't even mean just to get <laughs> yeah. audience people, but I mean to get, like, distribution and stuff. How difficult was that once you had the finished product... Even though it's like a great film, obviously, and stuff. Not easy. You know, we, we always thought it was obvious. I, I don't know, from, from even five years ago. But it's, it's a challenging film. I think some people looked at it and said it's not really an art film, an edgy, controversial art film, but it's also not a big Hollywood studio film. It's kind of in the middle. And you have these built-in audiences. You have Journey fans and you have the Filipino community. And maybe you have documentary or in, independent fans, but how do you commingle them together and... Um, and it was a challenge. And, and you know, I, there weren't many believers even from the beginning. It was the three of us. Um, but luckily, you know, once we started our film festival track and, and there was word of mouth and there was press, um, you know, we did have some distributors. I mean, it took a lot of positioning, but we did have some distributors that were interested. And we're very lucky. We're one of the, the rare documentaries that, that finds a, a nice home that's, about, you know, that, that's willing to, to take a theatrical risk on it. So, uh, so yeah, and for a doc, this is a relatively big initial opening. We're going to be in about 25 cities this weekend and um, on demand the, the day after on Saturday uh, via you know, video on demand platforms. So, yeah, it was, it was a challenge to convince people, no doubt. And uh, we're hoping that you know, we're all proven right. Um, and we really believe the movie has something for everybody, whether you're a Journey fan or not. Um, it's really about the story and, and the music is a huge bonus and clearly have something for Journey fans, but it's, uh, it's something everybody can be inspired by. Josh breezed through this, but <laughs> from the three of us to the film festivals, that's a five-year span. <laughs> so for about five years, 
the three of us would have calls and end the call with, all right, guys, don't stop believing, after the call had been peppered with how many people said no, that they weren't interested in being a part of the film or supporting the film or financing the film. Um, so, yeah. Okay, I'd like to ask, concerning the technical end of making this film, what, uh, what roles did each of you play on a technical end? Like editing and sound and direction? Did you I'm the director, so I directed. And you're the... I'm the producer, so... You produced. I produced, which I always say, if you want to know what a producer does, try to make a movie without one. And that's the best way I can describe it. <laughs> we make things happen. We execute it. And I was the driver on tour. And as far as uh, camera equipment is concerned, did you use different types of camera equipment, like SLR, DSLRs? or? Th they weren't invented back then, I don't think. Were there DSLRs? We had the first uh, Panasonic with the P2 uh, HVXs, yeah. So it's a combination of the HVX. We had red in there. We had um, 16. We had Super 8. We had Varicams. So it was hellish in post. Yes, it was a technique. And then we had uh, archival footage that was on, like, old uh, beta you know, whatever, really old stuff that we needed to transfer, and it was a nightmare, yeah. I was curious that, I mean, this film mainly focused on actually the new workout, the Anil Prenator, but I was curious that was there any point that you, you're trying to more include in like a Steve Perry or something to sort of like balance it out, that how that actually burned Johnny goes from beginning to this? I, you know, the, the whole story of Steve Perry vis-a-vis -vis Journey is a whole other film, I think. And I don't think this film had, um, would have done it justice because I think that requires a more profound examination of Steve Perry and the band Journey. That's a very, they have a very storied past and I think it deserves its own film. Uh, like I said, my impetus for the film was Arnel Panetta. And I think if we had included the whole Steve Perry thing, it would have either overshadowed or it would have been too much for the film. The film couldn't carry that, that much. You know what I'm saying? Could, and we didn't want a four-hour film. So, because that's a really, it's very complicated. And to unwrap that whole Steve Perry history, oh. Someday, someone should do that, though. It's a very interesting story. Can you explain how it was working together as a team? and how, uh, how each of you um, collaborated or worked together, how that process works? It's completely like a marriage, for sure. Uh, we were just kind of laughing because we laughed together, cried, yelled at each other, sweared at each other. I mean, it, stopped talking to each other for days. I mean, it, it you know, it's, it's a process. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of, cr you know, a lot of uh, dramatic moments of inflection about what would happen to the movie or would we have a movie. Um, but again, we kind of kept believing in each other. And I think we all, ultimately, we all worked well together because I think we brought complementary kind of s skills and relationships and everything to the table. Um, you know, I, I handled, you know, a lot of the business sales and marketing and distribution and financing dealt with the band. Um, some of the business legal side of things, and obviously Capella was our producer, and so was kind of you know managing the day to day on the ground of getting the movie made, and you know obviously our director Ramona. But I think we all kind of brought different skills to the table that we all needed, and I don't think we'd be here without 
any of us, maybe. Maybe just Ramona would be fine. But um, no, I, I think seriously, we might not have the same movie without each of us. I no, guess that's right. That's true. That's yeah? true. Is that right. Too? Yeah. It needed the three of us together doing this for five years. Otherwise, it couldn't have gotten done. Um, but it was tough. You know, you have your really bad shooting days where Capella's like, "We're leaving." I'm like, "We are." Well, yes. that day that I said that, though, actually circles around, and we got some great footage because I demanded we were leaving, and we went into the, and it answers your question. I think about the converted Steve Perry fans. We were able to get some great footage <laughs> because of that. What happened that made you say that you were leaving? Oh, which goes back to the question of access, right? Because their, I guess, misunderstanding of what we wanted was. They thought in the beginning all we wanted was like to be in the pit and watch, you know, film them perform. Well, that's not the film we wanted to make. But that was the access they were giving us. So at some point, Capella goes, we, we've shot that. We don't want that. We're leaving. We're like, we are? I'm like, wow, we're walking out on journey? It was very funny. It was very dramatic. So we, we left, and we filmed the fans that day. But, um, and, then, um, and then I think Arnell called us, right? And it's just like a boyfriend calling. Oh my God, Arnell's texting. He wants us back. And uh, what it's do we very say? Funny. What do we say? Yeah, what do we say? So it took like five of us, the crew, Capella, myself, Jim, who did sound, uh, Julia, Dengler, cinematographer, and uh, someone else. We were all there composing this text to Arnell. You know, like, okay, we'll meet you in the next stop. We'll be there, but please allow us in your dressing room. So. You know, that was part of the process. But that Sounds was like the only a boyfriend. Time. That was like a boyfriend. I felt like, what are we going to say to him now? Wooing you back. Yeah. And I think we have time for one more. Um, I'm a film student at NYU, and I was just uh, curious if you had any advice for uh, aspiring filmmakers. <laughs> just do it. Yeah. Okay? That's it, and that's it. And that's it. Don't give up. Try, try to do your do homework. It. Obviously, what, what research you can. W try to work with people that you can, that are talented. And it's about it's a team. It's a making a movie is a complete collaborative effort. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Just do it. Pick, and especially nowadays, you can pick up a camera and you can edit and it's test time. Just do it. Yeah, content is still king. You know, you just have to love your story, and make that story. Don't think about. Of course, these producers might disagree with me, but don't think about distribution. Don't think about all those other things that are going to come in the future. You really have to stay true to your story and the story you want to tell. And if you stick with that, I think you, it'll be great, you know? Just do it. Awesome. <laughs> thank, you. Pick up the thank you all so much for coming today. Oh, thank and thank you. you all so of you. Much. Thank you.